I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Well, listeners, another episode of Thriving Matters podcast. And the guest we have and our conversation today is going to be with Kathy DeMarcos, now, Kathy is an extraordinary woman, <laughs> extraordinary professional, and has a message for all of us about our voice and how we can use it, develop it, and be passionate enough to stand up for it. So, Kathy, mm-hmm. welcome. It's great to have you on um, this episode, with, and I hope our listeners really enjoy what we're going to talk about today. Thank you, Carrie. But I'm going to correct you. Oh, off you go. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about a voice, right? Here I am. (laughs) Do you know what? I'm actually not an extraordinary person. I'm an ordinary person who actually has what I believe an extraordinary belief in that we can all share our voice. And that's primarily because I only recently recognised how valuable it was because ah. I was very comfortable in sitting in the background. Thank you. And listeners, you, you're going to think that we set this up, but we did not. <laughs> Thriving Matters podcast is all about talking to ordinary guys and gals who are doing extraordinary things in life and work. And so, Kathy, thank you for that beautiful entree. <laughs> well done you and isn't it the case I wonder I wonder sometimes whether it's this notion of um, wisdom um, not necessarily age but wisdom that we gain when we think enough is enough I actually need to declare how you declare what you're passionate about or what you truly believe in what your message is that's up to you how you do it but if you're able to do it in a way that generates interest, curiosity, mm. and dialogue with other people, and I think that's where the gold is, I think. Yeah, I, I often say, you know, we can have better conversations when we pause to better understand. And the only way we can do that is genuinely by pausing and listening. Yeah. That's it. So let's see how much pausing and listening we do today. Hey? <laughs> so listeners, Kathy um, has a global business um, advisory lens of which she works over a, over a number of years. My super interest is that, you know, Kathy and I run in a similar lane. She's a coach, a mentor. She's a speaker. But what she does particularly well is sends her message out through TEDx um, so she's she's done two of those, which I'd really encourage you to listen to. Her humanitarian work and her interest in anti-fragility and elevating humanity across global communities is really something for us to share in today. So, Kathy, you are so welcome. And uh, I usually ask 
all our guests, what is it that gets you out of bed each day? So let's start right there. Well, interesting. I've already had several meetings this morning. Um, but one of the things that I say is, you know, this that you're seeing right now, I have that as I wake up every single day. Um, so I love what I do. And when people say, what do you do? And I say, well, you know, <laughs> what I do is I actually think about how I can create greater impact. Mm. It doesn't really matter and it all actually funnels through to the one thing. That one thing is actually looking at where can I create the greatest impact in respect to elevating humanity? So what does it really mean? At the end of the day, for me, that is actually about embedding skills, life skills, lived skills, tangible tools into impoverished nations where we can really help them make a change. So, you know, I run, I have developed leadership programs for young kids and people go, that's really not what I thought you did. I've taken what I understand and have lived for the last three and a half decades in finance, in being a counsellor, in setting up and scaling businesses. I've done that since 1997. And I put those into programs that will mean something to young kids starting from the age of 11 and 12. So you remember what stages of life that is, right? They're transitioning between where they think that they can conquer the world at those last years of primary school and, and are just starting, you know, high school. And then it's through that transitional period, 14 and 15-year-olds, and then into the next stage, which is finishing school. So the 17 and 18-year-olds, and then into their final years as they're entering their new stage of life. And each of those programs, you know, they run for four weeks, they run for six weeks, they run for six months. So I don't do a quick tick and fix. In fact, I'm very anti that because all that you're doing is giving them a hype and not actually then allowing them to have those embedded skills practiced, yeah. come back, reflect, embed, reflect, get feedback, yeah. and then actually build on it. So each program actually builds, but it is always with two things in mind. One is, is they need to actually start to begin to understand that pay it forward. And mm -hmm. I, pay it forward into community, into service of somebody else and understand who they are. Mm -hmm. They're the two things. And why I choose to use the word pay it forward, it's because when you say give back, it means that somebody owes you something or you owe them something and yeah. so you're giving it back. I'm really intentional with my words, hence what you shared earlier, anti-fragility. I'm so over-resilience. Yeah. You know, and so over why it's the Pied Piper effect. Everybody, you know, hears something and it becomes a buzzword. But what does it ultimately mean? So for me, I dig deep. You know, mm. it's I don't follow the Pied Piper effect and what everybody is telling me. I actually reflect and think about what is it that's really then going to create that ripple. I so, really, well, I, I really love the fact that, when we, you, you look at the stages of development of, of, 
of growing, of growing and being uh, um, developing. So for our young kids, that 11 and 12 age is massive because we're on the way to moving from independent, uh, depending on our family, our you know adults, blah blah blah, into interdependence. We're starting that, yeah. you know, and that's so crucial. And I remember years ago having discussions um, with educators. I had a position on the New South Wales Board of Studies when it was mm. when it was that. And the curriculum uh, committee, primary curriculum committee that I was on said, come and bring in your philosophy, share your philosophy of education and what it means. And I had a parent representative role at the time. So mm. being a mum of four, I, I did something really different to what everybody else did. But I said, we've got, we've got all this wrong. We actually should be looking at social and emotional development, basic numeracy literacy, opening up how do we know ourselves so we can understand others so how how can we work together be respectful all that sort of stuff and um people yeah around the table agreed but we still produce curriculums that are so dense everyone's fighting for prominence of subject area um we've really lost the plot i think but that's another conversation so thanks for letting me add that in <laughs> do you know it look I, what I love about our education system is that we've got teachers there that are passionate about what they do yeah. and they genuinely are there for their kids. The piece that doesn't serve is that there is no autonomy. There's this incredible rigour of what was and what did serve a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. So in the days of industrialization. And somehow we still think that that's going to serve our younger generation to be who they need to be for the future. That's a misgiving. It really is. And that is no disservice to anybody. I'm incredibly respectful. I have family and friends who are actually educators and I adore them. But we have to look at what's going to serve our future generation and listen to them and adapt not to keep doing what we did because that's what we've always done. Look, you've just you've just said the magic word, listen. And I think anyone the time is time is ticking by. There's no more time in a day. We're on our way to 2030. Um, we've we've had huge, huge and abrupt change across the globe that's affected yeah. not just education, it's affected every industry, every every person. Um, our leaders are really very important in all this um, and how we develop our leaders for tomorrow I think is, is absolutely critical so for those we've got seven little Australians at the moment so I'm thinking their future depends on what we can do now as, as a catalyst for discussion and dialogue and, and, and looking at things differently and how we develop them for the future because we'll be long in the box Kathy you and I and um the kids will be the leaders of tomorrow, our, our grandchildren. So that's yeah. how I look at it. But, okay, so tell me, mm. tell me about a major experience in your life that when you look back on it, it has made you who you are today. And I want to take you back to another continent because I know <laughs> a little bit about that. God, there are so many moments. Um, but to your question then, being quite <laughs> Pointed and directed. Um, I guess one of one of the more recent ones was 
um, going back to Tanzania. So I had, it was a time when Ebola broke out. Oh, wow. So at that stage, my 16-year-old daughter um, sat at the dining room table and she'd been doing some research and she was in year 11. She'd be, so she would be finishing year 12 at the age of 17. And she said, you know what? She said, I really want to do something before I start uni. Um, and I've been doing some research. I want to go and volunteer. And so we said, yeah, sure. But, you know, she had been researching. She'd been doing some research for a few months. Um, but she landed on, I'm going to Tanzania. And so, you know, I sat there and did this. And my son just looked at me and my husband went, no, you're not. <laughs> So, you know, I, I turned to him and he said, Ebola's just broken out. What are you thinking? And she said, Dad, that's on the West Coast. I'm going to go to the East Coast. And he said, and what do you think happens in between? You're in Africa. Like, you know. <laughs> and I think that was also another moment for me to realise who I'm going to choose to be. Because in every situation we contribute, you know, negatively or positively. That's the ripple effect we choose to make, you know. So for me, it was recognising what my husband was saying in that he has a duty of care. She needs to be responsible. She's still 16. Does she really understand? But there is also that, I guess, understanding of, yes, she's a child, but if we don't actually let go and allow them to actually follow a path, then we're really actually restricting them. Did I really know what I was doing at the time? Maybe I didn't, but I wanted to honour both. And so we got in this journey together of mitigating risk, hence my anti-fragility, not resiliency, right? Yes. So I mitigate risk right up front. It's that yes. second-order thinking, third-order thinking, having a look at what we could do to mitigate risk, strengthen from it, and then keep moving forward. Mm. That's one of the core differences between resiliency and anti-fragility. Mm. So we did more research um, and we landed with she would go for the first month, she'd be going with projects abroad, there's a structure in place, and then I would follow because she also wanted to live with a Maasai. Oh, wow. Go figure, right? Uh-huh. So I just got goosebumps again. <laughs> I know. So it was it was really fascinating. So she did go. Um, she so the whole trip was for three months. She went for for a month. And when I landed, I have to share this little story. When I landed, I landed in this airport, you know, it was late at night the airport started to become empty and then the security guard, you know, I'm the only person, the security guard says, um, are you waiting for someone? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, we have to close the airport. I said, what do you mean you have to close the airport? He says, well, there's no more flights. Everybody's going to go home. They'll have to wait outside. So here I am thinking, "Oh well. holy moly, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you said? <laughs> Well, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. And I can tell you many stories like that. But um, all of a sudden I see this, you know, um, 
car van sort of scooping in and she flies out of it and she starts running toward me. And you know when you see someone and you know something is different? Yeah. It was this incredible moment where I just looked at her and went, who are you? You know, she's still 17. She's still quite young, but something has happened. But what I realised when um, the driver actually came out because she's speaking to him in Swahili now. So she had embedded herself enough to be able to have a conversation in Swahili. So I realised then that it was the right decision. You know, whatever she'd been experiencing, it was the right decision for her. But then what followed were all of the challenges. I cannot tell you, I think we cried every single night, not because of how hard things were, but because I think that realisation of how much more we could do, how much more that there was needed to be done. And, you know, what unfolded was because she could speak so highly, we began to better understand what wasn't happening that we thought was happening. Mm. Some of the kids in the orphanages, they were being left alone at night. 11-year-olds to fend and look after four-year-olds in just conditions that we wouldn't think are okay. Um, The villages around them that, you know, the the neighbours would actually take the things that we would leave behind, you know, extra food, cutlery, crayons, paper. They would just be gone the next day, you know, all of those sorts of things. So anyway, we started to put in a program of how the volunteers would work, what needed to be done, a structure, Mm. paying for somebody to be there for the next three years to look after them at night, to actually have paid staff on board that could speak Swahili and English to interpret. Lots of little things like that, you know, for the next three years as well. So it was that moment where I really started to become more aware of who I was and who I was choosing to be. And then came another crystal moment where I sat, we lived with a Maasai for about three weeks. Um, And one of the things that were most memorable was really about the insight that I gained about me. So one day, one of the warriors said to me, Kathy, I've started this foundation and this is what I'm going to do. And he started to share his vision about how he wanted to educate young girls because they still believe in child marriages. The girls actually don't continue their education. They're still circumcised, you know, and he wanted to change that. And in that moment was this sickening and awareness feeling within me of there's so much in what you've just said with me that I want to just scream And yet I've just realised my own biases. I'm sitting as a Western privileged woman in an area where they don't even usually see a white person. How could I possibly have an opinion? How could I possibly say you're doing the right thing? Can I understand what that 6-year-old, 11-year-old is going to experience, think about themselves, the guilt about going against what their mother has done. Can I think about what that mother is going to 
feel about the dichotomy that she's going to sit in with her mother, her husband, her community, and then with her own daughter. I can't possibly imagine any of that. What am I going to say? So I said to him, Kimani, I, I can't possibly say anything to you. And then I shared with him, you know, what was happening for me. And I think it was in that moment that I realised that I really needed to better understand, you know, who I was in the presence with and to be conscious of my own biases and what's happening for me before I could respond. Oh, it's a beautiful story <laughs> because it is, it, you're, you're vulnerable and our, we often stray away from being as vulnerable as we should be so we can understand and will we ever understand? I don't know because we have a particular. I, I feel um, we have a, a discussion at the moment in Australia again about um, racial discrimination mm. with our own Indigenous. Only only today on on the is making the news once again. Mm. So this would be mirrored throughout the world. We've also woken up to say that the Russian president has now mobilised ordinary civilians mm. and he says he's not bluffing. So yeah, understand everything, every culture, I think, every, every, all over the globe, there is there are things that we do not, we haven't unearthed, we actually haven't spent the time in understanding, but we're very quick to make, to have an opinion, mm. be biased or to, you know, not appreciate um, the freedom that we've been allowed to live and grow in. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that beautiful story. And it, it goes to who you are now. Very much so. You know, I. It's, it's really interesting, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier, you know, before we um, started was recognising our ability to have a voice. And mm. so often we think that, I'm just one person. What am I going to do, right? But you can stand by your own truth, you know. But first you need to know what that is. Because yeah. how can you how can you honestly create an impact if you don't genuinely know that? You know, it's interesting and I'm sort of digressing, but one of the I think it was probably about the third program that we ran, there was one incredible young girl, she was 11. And at the end of the program, you know, they said to her, so how was the program for you? And she rattled off. They all finish elated, really surprised, you know, with <laughs> how they're feeling after the program when they first start. But this young girl sat there and she said the one thing she said that I, I take away three things, but the one thing she said was I realised that I can't lead anybody else until I learn to lead myself. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Eleven. Eleven. If, if we've done nothing else but we've actually achieved and enabled her to come to that realisation and, most importantly, to share that, a young girl in a country where girls don't often get to have a voice, mm. but if she has the ability and the confidence 
to say that, oh my God, I've served my purpose. Like, <laughs> you know, ah, oh, that's it. That's what I needed to do, right? And you listened to what she said, though. That's the. Yeah. And you know what? And I don't run the programs. I've actually trained facilitators mm-hmm. on the ground f- to make sure that we have the cultural standards, communication, and visual being seen mm. on the ground. Mm. That's really important to me, mm. you know, and I involved them. You know, we we did so much toing and froing before any of these programs were actually put together to say, we don't, we don't say it like that, Kathy. Yeah. You know, that's not what they will relate to, Kathy. You know, so all of those changes are really important to make sure that we don't let go of culture. Yeah, it's a masterclass in humility for humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Oh, just oh, I love love it. Um, are you? How long ago was it that you were in Tanzania? So the last trip that I was there was two thousand and nineteen. Okay, not that long ago. It was. It was before COVID. So yeah. actually, it was two. Sorry, it was two thousand and nineteen in about October, uh-huh. and the next trip was actually planned for February twenty twenty, yeah, but yeah. we went into lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the programs have actually been running oh, because I don't need to be there. They're actually run by facilitators on the ground. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and that's. Yeah, you've got to distribute it. It's got to be owned by the village. Yeah. yeah. Not just led by you and you you leave and it goes, whoosh, it disappears. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. It was yeah. a good question, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Look, Kathy, in all this, in all this being, you know, a parent, a partner, a businesswoman, being passionate about what you do and how you're going about doing it, what are some of the things that have become part of your daily routine about the way you continue to thrive? Because in all this, you know, you're human. You're human. Mm-hmm. There's, there's got to be times when you think, oh, blast it. This is just not working, you know. You probably don't say it that way, but we'll say that for the for the recording. <laughs> um, um, bugger, <laughs> whatever else we want to say. But, you know, I don't feel like doing this today. I mean, what are some of the things that you've got in place yourself because we like to share you know what what it is that you've learnt that you need and that you've probably finessed or gotten down to a fine art and what you're on autopilot about interesting one of my things and and that ted my latest ted talk is don't sleepwalk through life so um removing that autopilot and being intentionally conscious yeah so i can say you can be intentional you can be conscious, but until you are intentionally conscious, you really aren't creating the impact that you choose to make. So some of my, I guess, rituals are I must walk the dogs because what that does is it actually gets me out. You know, I smile and say hello to strangers. And, yes, they may look at me, but yeah. I know that with with a smile on my face, it potentially changes their trajectory forward for the day. Um, I block out time in my calendar. Mm-hmm. I literally put in a colour 
and it says block. So I have time to pause. Good. If I don't do that, um, I literally do run, you know, from 7 a.m. Mm. till potentially 10 p.m. every day. Do I work? No, I have joy ah. because I love what I do. I'm so clear about who I choose not to actually be involved with um, that and it actually enables me to crystallise who I do choose to be involved with. Okay. I do that in business. I'm incredibly intentional. Um, I actually say to people up front, if you do not have embedded in your business a philanthropic alarm, something that actually pays it forward, and I don't mean by, oh, you know, 10% of my money goes to, that's not good enough because you are not giving up your most valuable thing, time. Mm. So for me, it needs to be something that you live, eat and breathe and you believe in that you are contributing to in paying it forward. Mm. Then we can actually talk about what it is that you think that I can actually do to help you grow your business, develop your leadership team, embed practices. I have what... I have done is, I guess, embedded my learnings from being a qualified counsellor into business. Mm. And so mindfulness, that actually is absolutely part of what I do. Yeah. Well-being, that's what I do. You know, I run programs in that space. I have an online program that is about burnout, but it, it can actually be applied to anxiety, you know, I did it because it actually enables you to break patterns and I bring in some of my counselling skills. For me, as an employer, we have an obligation to our staff. Yeah. Yes, they have an obligation to themselves, but we have an obligation to them. That's what we're responsible for when we are leaders. Mm. Mm. And the other thing is we're also responsible to make ourselves redundant. Yes. Yes. Sorry. We're not here to actually promote ourselves. We're here to actually pass on the gift and the knowledge and move on to do exactly the same for somebody else. Or create leaders who are greater than we are. Oh, my goodness. Can I just tell you, Carrie, you have just actually sung my song. Somebody said to me the other day, I've just realised that what you do is as you are learning, you're sharing your vision and you're bringing me on the journey with you to be learning what you are actually learning at the same time instead of learning it yourself and then actually showing others. And I said, but that's what it's about, taking people on the journey. I don't care if somebody actually goes ahead in front of me. I've served my purpose. That's me making myself redundant. The, the, the only contest <laughs> I have is with myself. <laughs> yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I think there's something about wisdom and 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 uh, lovely grey, blonde grey. <laughs> Can you see that? <laughs> oh, Kathy, you've been a joy to talk to. Is there something in the conversation we haven't said today? So I really like this question. Is there something we could add to this that we haven't already said that you really want? What? Come on, Carrie, ask me the question. Ask me the question. So I don't know that it's a question, but I guess it's something that I really realised for me 
that actually brings me joy and that is knowing exactly the impact that I want to make on the world so mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what you're doing in life what job you do it's interesting that people actually associate who they are by their job um yeah. and then when they lose that job it's almost like they lose who they are yes the pandemic did that for people we not we're not talking mm -hmm. about it right mm -hmm. so if we want to be real let's be real Let's actually think of who we choose to be outside of a job title. That's the reason why solicitors, sorry, solicitors, I'm pointing you out, you know, um, solicitors play in that space, doctors play in that space. If they aren't actually practicing their skills, who are they? Yeah, that's right. You have to practice, you have to do. It's, we, we spoke a little bit about this notion of reciprocal learning before mm. so when I yeah well you you and I both I'm pretty sure um, learn from the people that we work with not just we're not just the experts I don't consider myself an expert I may have some yeah. expertise in some areas but I'm definitely not the expert there's somebody who's going to have going to be bigger and greater or or more effective than I am but it's Carrie or it's Kathy and it's who you are that you bring bring to that yeah. yeah and to be open it's interesting you know people have said to me um so do you actually have an advisor do you have a mentor I can't preach what I'm actually suggesting you do if I don't do it myself so yes absolutely yeah. but I do it twofold I always make sure that I have somebody younger than me mentoring me and there's a there's an irony in it because I go that what do you want me to do I go I actually don't know everything I don't know everything there is so much that you can actually really enable me to look at through a different lens, lens, you know, so you don't want to call it mentoring. That's fine. You can call it whatever you like, but you're being paid for a skill that I may not be conscious of. Um, mm. So, yeah, that reciprocated, you know, knowledge actually comes from everywhere. We've just got to be open to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think so. Well, great listeners, I hope you've enjoyed um, our Kathy and I, our conversation today. And if there was a call to action um, that we sort of said to you, come on, give this a red-hot shot, that's one of my, my mantras, just give it a red-hot shot, what would it be today? Would it be about what it is that you're going to block out for yourself to give yourself time to pause and to listen and to get that smile on your face so that you share you share out. I mean, there is an abundance, I believe, of, of good people, of good intention and of kindness that we can actually share in the work we do. We also are charged with being um, as honest as mm -hmm. possible with ourselves and others. So what is it, you know, have you worked out what your impact is that you want to be for the next so many years of our life. I mean, we never know what's around the corner, do we? But let's let's be grateful for what we have and work yeah. towards what we're, we're still going to become. I think one of my boys says to me, Mum, you're just not content to be, are you? You're still becoming. <clears throat> and I go, wow, that's 30 years difference in thinking. And that's what he sees. So I'm going, thanks. That's the gift you've given me today. Yeah. So... You know, and do you have, listeners, do you have someone who is younger than you and perhaps older than you that perhaps, and runs in different lanes of thinking yeah. um, that you can tap into 
intentionally and still learn from each other. Yeah. So, well, Kathy, a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And and listeners, if you'd like to know where best to find Kathy DeMarcos, I'm going to give you a great hint. LinkedIn is probably the easiest place to find her at the moment. Um, <laughs> and her surname has a trick to it. So it's DeMarcos, D-I-M-A-R-C-H-O-S, because there's <laughs> a variety of spellings. But I will put all her contact details in, in the notes. We, everyone who does a podcast loves a little bit of love. Um, and so if you have someone you think this episode um, would really resonate with, we'd love a share. Don't forget to subscribe to Thriving Matters podcast so that you're up to date. So you get the notifications, you're up to date with our with our guests. Because when you have someone like Kathy DeMarcos on your, on your call, um, having a chat with her, and you've also met her personally, not just <laughs> virtually, I think that's the greatest gift we can give each other. So yeah. you're very gracious. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. As as always, listeners, you are precious and your thriving matters. Um, don't forget to reach out to a few people today you haven't contacted and just tell them you're thinking of them. Thanks, Kathy, for a great conversation. Bye for now. Thank you. I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 